0: The hot days of summer are upon us, and so too is the hot topic of sunscreen. Is sunscreen effective? Is it safe? Is mineral or synthetic sunscreen best? Do we need to wear it every day? Does it impact our vitamin D levels? Tune in to find out only here on the People's Scientist podcast. Hello my People Scientist Army and welcome back for episode 62 on the People Scientist Podcast, where every week I arm us with some scientific information so we can all lead the healthy lives we want to live. Around many parts of the world, it is starting to feel like summer, doesn't it? Here in New York, the weather is definitely getting hotter. It is about 80 degrees Fahrenheit or 27 degrees Celsius here today. So with summer upon us, I wanted to do a timely topic on sunscreen. On TikTok and other social media platforms, there are a lot of great dermatologists sharing content on how it is important for us to wear some sunscreen every day, even if we are indoors most of the day. This prompted me to want to research into this topic further. I wanted to know, for example, is mineral-based sunscreen just as effective as conventional synthetic-based sunscreens? Can UV radiation really come through our windows or emitted from indoor lights? Are there long-term clinical trials looking at sunscreen use and health outcomes? Is vitamin D production from sunlight in our skin affected by sunscreen use? Well, in today's episode, we are going to dive into that and more. Let's start off with some core takeaways. Protecting ourselves from the sun to prevent damage to our eyes and skin is very important there are many, many studies showing the negative effects of chronic exposure to the sun without proper protection, such as sunburn, skin aging, skin cancer, skin lesions, and eye damage. I was surprised to learn that yes, we can still be exposed to smaller amounts of UV radiation indoors because UV rays may go through windows and low concentrations may be emitted from fluorescent and halogen lights. Sun protection measures we can adopt include going outdoors outside of peak sunlight hour, so outside the hours of 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., seeking shade when we are outdoors, wearing a hat, clothing, and sunglasses. These are the first line of defense for sun protection. Then sunscreen or sunblock is recommended as a second line of defense. But why is it a second line of defense and not first? Well, for a few reasons. Sunscreen has a short time limit on how long it can protect our skin. It can come off with sweating or swimming. And even though the clinical data shows sunscreen use to be very safe, there are some cell culture and animal studies that might, might suggest some negative health effects with sunscreen. But I repeat, dermatologists and physicians still recommend regular sunscreen use because we know the negative effects of sun damage can be severe. But that is why sunscreen is a second line of defense. So if we use sunscreen, there are thought to be two categories of sunscreen active ingredients, and I'm going to call them synthetic or mineral. The popular typical sunscreens that we see in the store may contain synthetic compounds like avobenzone, oxybenzone, or octinoxate, for example. Then we have mineral-based sunscreens that contain zinc oxide and or titanium oxide, Now, both of these, mineral or synthetic, are effective at protecting the skin from UV damage. Now, we'll go into the details comparing the two and their safety profiles in this episode. Regular use of sunscreen reduces sunburn, skin aging, skin damage, and may reduce the risk of skin cancer incidence. Typical use of sunscreen does not impact the synthesis of vitamin D from the sun by our skin. Besides UV light, visible light may also impact our skin health, to which sunscreen seems to not be able to filter out visible light. In this regard, tinted sunscreens or tinted face creams or antioxidants applied to the skin could be of benefit protecting the skin against visible light damage as well. Now, let's get into those important details. Let's start off with some basics. The sun can emit UV light, also called UV radiation. UV rays may have some benefit, like inducing the production of vitamin D by our skin, which I will get into more detail later on in this episode. But UV rays are well known for their negative effects on our skin and eyes as well. For example, Young in 2006 reviewed that UV rays from the sun are what induce a tan, a sunburn, inflammation of the skin, suppression of the immune system of the skin, and DNA damage. Now this last one, DNA damage, is important because DNA damage is what may cause skin cancer. Now many things in our environment may potentially lead to DNA becoming damaged, like air pollution, cigarette smoke, and lipid peroxidides, lipid peroxides commonly found in fried foods. But when our DNA becomes damaged, our body is usually very good at repairing that damage and everything will be okay when that DNA damage is repaired. However, as we age, our body may become less able to repair that damage. Or if there is too much damage to our DNA, it may be hard for our body to identify and repair all of that damage quickly. Now when our DNA stays damaged, This can lead to the production of mutated proteins in the body. And these mutated proteins may not function properly. This can lead to poorly functioning cells and in a bigger scenario, poorly functioning organs. These mutated cells also have the capability to produce cancer cells and tumors. This is how sun exposure is related to skin cancer. The UV rays may damage our skin and cause mutations in our DNA, which may lead to cancer. This is why dermatologists, physicians, scientists, and societies like the Cancer Society recommend reducing sun exposure by staying in the shade, wearing protective clothing like hats, sunglasses, and light or loose clothing. When this is not possible, like when you want to be at the beach and you want to be in a bathing suit, that is when using sunscreen could be the next best option. In 2015, there were over 352,000 new cases of skin cancer in one year and 60,000 deaths related to skin cancer. And sun damage is thought to be the main contributor, by far, to skin cancer cause. So protecting ourselves from sun damage is something to keep top of mind, because unfortunately, skin cancer still has a big impact on people's health. So now let's get into some of the details of the clinical research. We often hear of UVA or UVB rays. Now both come from the sun. UVB is thought to contribute the most to sunburns and skin cancer risk, so the first formulated sunscreens decades ago were made to block out UVB rays to prevent the sunburn. Then in the 1990s, it was realized that UVA rays may also have a negative impact on skin health, particularly causing premature skin aging and damage to the deeper layers of the skin. So in the 1990s, broad-spectrum UVA and UVB sunscreen started to be produced. So that is why you may see broad-spectrum on sunscreen labels. That means that the sunscreen will filter out both UVA and UVB, and this is important. Now, does sunscreen or sunblock lotion actually protect the skin? The answer is yes. Sunscreen can reduce skin damage caused by UV rays. For example, a study in 1994 in the journal of the National Cancer Institute, scientists put sunscreen on the ears and tail of some mice, and as a control, just an oil emulsion on the other half of the mice. Now, the mice were exposed to UVB light, and the health of their skin was monitored, The sunscreen protected against skin swelling and clearly diminished sunburn cell formation, epidermal hyperplasia, and mononuclear cell infiltrate in the dermis of the skin. So simply, sunscreen prevented an inflammatory response in the skin caused by the UVB radiation. The scientists took it one step further and wanted to replicate skin cancer in the mice the type of skin cancer melanoma that's typically found in humans. So the mice were injected with some skin cancer melanoma cells. The scientists wanted to know if the sunscreen would prevent the progression of skin cancer. It turns out it didn't. The sunscreen mice and the control mice both had the skin cancer progress. So what does this study tell us? Well, it appears that sunscreen does indeed protect the skin from UVB radiation However, if skin cancer melanoma is already present, then sunscreen may not prevent it from getting worse. So as a result, it is very important to get your skin checked over by your doctor every year to make sure that you do not have any signs of skin cancer. Many clinical trials report that application of sunscreen can prevent the immediate damage to the skin caused by UV rays. So it's not only in animals, but in human studies they show that sunscreen protects the skin against sunburn, skin inflammation, and can maintain the regular immune response of the skin after UV exposure. So acutely and immediately, it can protect the skin. So sunscreen has a protective effect immediately during UV exposure, but how about long-term? For example, over several years, does regular sunscreen have a protective effect? The ideal clinical trial would be to have many people wear sunscreen daily for years, And another group wear no sunscreen for years to see what would happen to their skin health and their overall health. However, this is an unethical type of trial because we can't keep people from wearing sunscreen. We can't prevent them from having sun protection. So Green and colleagues in 2011 published a study in 1,600 people where they decided to provide free broad-spectrum sunscreen to half the participants, and they told them to apply this sunscreen every day. The other half of the participants were not given any free sunscreen and were told to apply sunscreen if they wanted to and in their normal way. It was up to their discretion. The participants were asked to do this for four years. Then 10 years later, the scientists followed up to investigate their skin cancer incidents. There were 11 new primary melanomas, aka skin cancer, that had been identified in the daily sunscreen use group and 22 new primary melanomas had been identified in the control group. This indicated that the sunscreen group had about a 50% reduction in skin cancer incidence. From the same trial, Hughes in 2013 reported the sunscreen group also saw a benefit against skin aging, as they had 24% less skin aging versus the control group. Now, this clinical trial was not perfect for a few reasons, but it still was a very good trial to indicate that regular sunscreen use may have benefit against skin cancer and skin damage and skin aging. Here's where the controversy comes in. There are some observational studies that have people report their sunscreen use, and they also report their diagnosis of skin cancer. Now, some of these observational studies show no benefit of sunscreen use on skin cancer risk. For example, Dennis in 2003, in the Annals of Internal Medicine, pulled together 18 observational studies. They concluded no association between skin cancer risk and sunscreen use. This might lead people to thinking sunscreen is not protective against skin cancer then. But this study, even though it was published in 2003, made their conclusion based on the 18 studies that were conducted mostly in the 1960s to the 1980s. If you recall earlier, I said it was only in the 1990s that sunscreen started to be broad spectrum and filtered out both UVA and UVB rays. So sunscreen has improved greatly since the 1960s and 80s. So it is possible that sunscreen today may be more effective at reducing cancer risk, which is why this study wouldn't have captured that potentially protective finding. Another really important thing that I want to point out about this study was something OTA in the British Journal of Dermatology highlighted. People who wear sunscreen often spend more time outdoors in the sunlight. It may be a common thought that if we wear sunscreen, then we can spend hours out in the sun, because the sunscreen will prevent us from getting a sunburn. Now, this may be true, that the sunscreen could prevent the sunburn. But often, if we spend hours out in direct sun regularly, we may still get sun damage because sunscreen is not 100% protective. protective. We may also still burn or miss spots where we didn't apply sunscreen that could wind up getting burned and having sun damage anyway. So this may confound the results of the observational studies. So let me put it this way. If we have person A and person B, if person A says that they wear sunscreen every day, but they spend five hours out in the sun every day, then we have person B who reports that they rarely wear sunscreen, but they're only out in the sun for let's say 5 minutes a day. Who do you think is more at risk for sun damage? Well it's very likely person A. Even though they report using sunscreen daily, they're out in the sun 5 hours a day. So do you see here? Sunscreen may not necessarily be associated with reduced cancer risk in some observational studies. So I don't want my listeners to be confused if you ever hear studies that sunscreen does not prevent skin cancer. It can be because people think that if they wear sunscreen that they are 100% protected. But I think other measures of protecting one from the sun is also just as important to be added on. What we know for certain is that if people are exposed to the sun a lot without sun protection, then they are at a higher risk for skin damage like sunburn, increased skin sensitivity, and skin immune changes. Long-term consequences of sun damage include skin cancer and skin aging. We also know with confidence that sunscreen prevents immediate skin damage in animal and in human studies. Then we can say based on the clinical trials that sunscreen may prevent skin cancer, but that depends on the amount of sun exposure, proper use of sunscreen, like covering all exposed parts and reapplying frequently, and use of other sun protective means like hats, clothing, shade, etc. Okay, now that we have covered that sunscreen protects the skin against immediate damage and may reduce risk of cancer incidents, let's talk about different sunscreens. We often see conventional sunscreens that contain synthetic compounds like avobenzone, oxybenzone, octinoxate, and many others. Mineral-based sunscreens may contain zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. So how do the two compare? Well, in the American Journal of Clinical Dermatology in 2010, the scientists compared Avo and oxybenzones with zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Now, interestingly, titanium dioxide was much better, almost twice better than avobenzone for filtering out UVB rays and for protecting skin against UV damage. However, titanium dioxide and zinc oxide were less effective at filtering out UVA rays compared to the photostabilized avobenzone. So in some regard, mineral-based sunscreens may be more effective, and in other cases, these synthetics may be more effective. However, both types of sunscreen, whether they are mineral or synthetic, are able to achieve adequate SPF of greater than 30 and are able to adequately filter out UV rays. So I would say that both types of sunscreen appear to be effective. Okay, how about the safety profile of synthetic versus mineral sunscreens? This is where it gets a little bit complicated. So before I jump into details, here is a key finding. There are preliminary cell culture studies that report both types, mineral and synthetic compounds in sunscreens, may have some negative effects to cell health, but none of these findings have been confirmed in humans. The fact that mineral sunscreens do not absorb well into the skin can actually be a good thing in regard to safety because it means the compounds are far less likely to enter into the deep layers of the skin and far less likely to enter into the blood and circulation. So the fact that those mineral sunscreens are hard to rub in and kind of form a white layer on the skin may actually be a good thing in regard to their safety profile. But by comparison, these synthetic, more conventional sunscreens are very well absorbed and have been, as a result, detected throughout the body. So if they are absorbed throughout the body and they have the ability to be stored in the body, this may be more likely to pose a health risk. But we actually don't know this yet either. Studying the compounds and their impact on human health over the long term of these synthetic sunscreens, we don't know the answers of that yet. Okay, now the details on the safety and risk of the sunscreens. Let's get into that. In the journal Cancer Letters in 2016, they reported that zinc oxide and titanium dioxide were effective and were able to absorb and reflect UVB rays, but they did not prevent UV-induced DNA damage. Now remember, the DNA damage is what can potentially lead to impacts on cell health and skin cancer risk. In fact, some isolated cell culture experiments suggest that the zinc oxide and titanium oxide dioxide in mineral-based sunscreens may increase DNA damage caused by UV rays due to the production of reactive oxygen species. But many, many studies have looked to see if mineral sunscreens even penetrate the layers of the skin. Experts and dermatologists believe that if the mineral sunscreens do not penetrate the skin and they do not penetrate into the blood system and the circulation, then they pose little to no risk to human health. Now, in the Journal of the American Medical Academy in 2009, the safety and ability for mineral sunscreens to penetrate the skin was very well reviewed. Overall, it appears that when the skin is washed, then all the minerals applied to the skin from the sunscreen are indeed removed, that they don't stay in the skin, they don't enter the circulation. However, there was some concern that mineral-based sunscreens have now been invented with nanoparticle technology in order to increase the texture and absorption of mineral sunscreens. Because a lot of people complain that they don't want to use mineral sunscreens because they don't absorb well. So companies are trying to use nanotechnology to increase the absorption. But that may impact the safety profile because the nanoparticles may increase the absorption. However, Kim in 2017 wrote an updated review that the absorption of zinc oxide from sunscreen is very low even if it is in the nanoparticle smaller form, and therefore appears at this point to pose no risk to human health. So the fact that mineral sunscreen is annoyingly difficult to absorb when we apply it to the skin, that could actually be a good thing for its safety profile. If you see studies showing negative effects of the minerals in sunscreen in human cells or in cell culture studies, it is because high doses are being used or the animals are having to eat the compounds or they're being injected and showing some negative effects. And that does not really translate to us wearing a mineral-based sunscreen. If anything, I would say maybe if you wear a mineral-based sunscreen, perhaps don't have your dog lick your skin so to prevent them from ingesting those potential minerals. However, in order to have an impact on their health, this would have to have to, this would have to happen regularly in order to have negative effects. But just something to keep in mind. So the fact that mineral-based sunscreens don't penetrate into the deep layers of the skin and when we wash our skin, those compounds are removed from the skin, it's thought to pose little negative effect to our health. In contrast, in regard to synthetic sunscreens, Mata and JAMA last year reported that the use of conventional sunscreens with synthetics like avobenzone resulted in avobenzone being in the blood of humans above the approved safety level permitted by the FDA. Some clinical studies also report some active ingredients in sunscreen appearing in breast milk and in urine. In rats, some of the sunscreen active ingredients like oxybenzone and benzophenone-3 appeared in the fat tissue, brain, and liver. Now, we don't know the impact of these ingredients on human health. Some preliminary animal and cell culture studies show that they may disrupt cell signaling, but really not much is known. But what this tells us is Better absorption into the skin means that it may get stored in the body. Because of that, it could have a long-term impact there. But that's something that research really has to start looking into. So, are mineral-based or synthetic-based sunscreens better? Well, that is up to you. Perhaps if you're using a mineral-based sunscreen, adding an antioxidant to the skin could prevent some potential oxidative damage and lessen that concern. The fact that mineral sunscreens are less absorbed is something that many people are more comfortable with in regard to the safety profile. But if there are any updates on the safety profile of the sunscreens, I will make sure to update all of you. Now besides sunscreen, what else can we do to protect our skin from sun damage? Well physical barriers like hats, sunglasses, and clothing are another option. In the journal Dermatology in 2010, they looked at the sun protection of different clothing, They had shown that a thin, light-colored cotton shirt provided a protection of about an SPF 10. So yes, some protection is possible, but not necessarily total or a huge protection from the sun. Some reports say that actually darker colors may be better at preventing UV from getting to the skin because the darker colors are more likely to absorb the UV versus lighter colors. More tightly woven fabrics or looser clothing also tend to be better at blocking the UV rays. So a loose shirt, pants, or a skirt, for example, could be a great option. When wearing sunglasses, make sure that they are labeled and say they block 100% UVA and UVB rays, or that they meet ANSI UV requirements. Sunglasses with no or inadequate UV protection can actually be worse for our eyes compared to no sunglasses at all. The reason being is when we wear darkened lenses, the pupils of the eye will dilate, allowing more light into our eyes. Now, if we're allowing more light into our eyes, but the UV is not being filtered, and that means even more UV rays will get into the eye, causing damage. But, in contrast, if we are not wearing sunglasses, then we may squint, or our pupils will become smaller, preventing less light and less UV rays from entering our eyes. So if you're wearing sunglasses, just make sure that those sunnies have UV protection on them. So how about seeking shade? Is it really protective? Well, Turnbull in 2003 conducted a great study where they reported the UV exposure in different shaded conditions, like under an umbrella, under a veranda, under a shaded walkway. They measured the UV protection of these things on a hot, sunny, clear sky day at peak maximal sunlight. They noted that under an umbrella in peak sunlight with no other shade around, that there is a small amount of protection that may last 35 to 60 minutes before a mild sunburn may start to develop. That is without any other sun protection, just the umbrella. So this study shows that a sun umbrella can add sun protection, but to keep in mind that it may not be enough if you are staying outside on a sunny day for more than 60 minutes, that you may need to add another form of sun protection. In contrast, a covered veranda with a metal roof could provide protection for 3-5 to hours before mild sunburn could start to develop. The reason why sunburn could still develop is because UV rays are still present around us, even though there is direct overhead protection in the shade. So this was a good study to show that shade indeed can offer protection, but in the scenario of an umbrella, it may not be enough, and that we may need to consider adding other means of sun protection. Now, how about other ways of protecting ourselves from the sun? Well, what about antioxidants? In the last few years, applying antioxidants to the skin or eating a diet rich in antioxidants by eating plenty of fruits and vegetables to offer skin protection has been a popularly researched topic. Many animal studies and cell culture experiments illustrate that antioxidants like polyphenols from grapes or tea polyphenols quercetin, and vitamin c can prevent the damage caused by light to the skin, and can promote skin cell health. One clinical trial showed that when antioxidants like vitamin C, vitamin E, caffeine, and chamomile extract together were applied in combination with sunscreen, that protection against UV damage was even greater than sunscreen alone. In addition, some preliminary reports suggest that antioxidants applied to the skin can protect against the damage caused by visible light too, not just UV light. This brings me to the topic that UV rays are not the only type of light that could impact our skin health. Recent reports are showing that visible light can also induce skin damage and skin aging. But typical sunscreens do not offer protection against visible light, only UV rays. So in order to protect against visible light, some studies suggest tinted sunscreens, which are a slight change to mineral-based sunscreens in that they change the formulation and concentration of iron oxides and titanium oxide to form a visible color and light filter on the face. So it begs the question then, does wearing makeup like a foundation or a tinted moisturizer filter out visible light too? I couldn't find the answer, but I would think so. So a tinted sunscreen or makeup foundation may offer some benefit against visible light damage too. Outside of protecting the skin against light, I also came across this study that was somewhat related that I wanted to share because I thought it was interesting. They had shown in a clinical trial that taking antioxidants before an x-ray may be beneficial. A study in 2017 showed that taking 2 grams of vitamin C, 1.2 grams of N-acetylcysteine, 600 milligrams of lipoic acid, and 30 milligrams of beta-carotene before an x-ray reduced the DNA damage caused by x-ray radiation in circulating cells of the body. So I thought that was really interesting. In case you're going for an x-ray, you might want to consider taking some vitamin C, for example. Now, in regard to talking about sunlight exposure again, a lot of dermatologists on social media are saying to wear sunscreen daily, even if indoors, because we can be exposed to UV rays indoors. Well, let's look at the research. Duarte in 2009 reported the ability of UV rays to go through the type of glass typical of windows. Apparently, all the glass blocked UVB rays, but not all the glass blocked UVA rays. Now remember, the UVB rays cause the sunburn, mostly cause sunburn, and UVA rays typically cause damage to the deeper layers of the skin and contribute more to skin aging. So glass windows may not filter out the deeper skin-damaging and skin-aging rays. But good news, laminated glass totally blocked UVA. Smooth, ordinary glass blocked about 25% of UVA. Thicker glass was better at blocking UVA versus thinner glass. Interestingly, green glass totally blocked UVA, whereas blue glass only blocked about 45% of UVA. So yes, it appears that UVA rays may go through windows, depending on the type of glass your windows are made of. How about indoor lights? Do they emit UV rays? Well, Walls in 2011 and Klein in 2009 reported that to strive for energy sustainability, many incandescent light bulbs have been replaced with fluorescent or halogen lights. But unfortunately, fluorescent halogen lights seem to emit UV rays. Even though the amount of UV emitted from these lights is much less than the sun, considering that we may be exposed to them for 16 or more hours a day every day may add up and induce some skin or eye damage, particularly for sensitive individuals. The scientists in these reports suggest that incandescent bulbs or warm fluorescent lighting as opposed to cool blue fluorescent lighting may be less damaging to the eyes and skin, as the warm tones may have less UV radiation. So yes, it appears it is possible that we could still be exposed to UV rays indoors. We can take some measures, such as reducing the intensity of the light, or using a warm tone of the light if possible. Otherwise, I suppose that is why many dermatologists say to wear sunscreen on the face and hands particularly every day, even if we don't go outdoors. Lastly, I want to touch upon sunscreen and vitamin D levels. Now, the active form of vitamin D can be made in our skin by UVB rays coming from the sun. So this begs the question, can sunscreen which blocks UVB prevent vitamin D synthesis? Well, a review last year by Passeron and other experts in the field concluded that the amount of UV light required to make vitamin D in our skin is actually really very low. Sunscreen use daily does not appear to compromise vitamin D synthesis, even when sunscreen is applied under optimal conditions. Interestingly, in observational studies, sunscreen use is not associated with vitamin deficiency a lot of the time. If anything, sunscreen use seems to be associated with higher vitamin D levels in people. That may be because people who are outdoors more wear sunscreen more, versus those who are not outside in the sunshine at all. However, they say for individuals that seek sun protection strictly, such as staying in the shade, wearing protective clothing, and sunscreen whenever outdoors, or those that are living in northern climates with little sunshine, that vitamin D supplementation may be necessary. Vitamin D is also present in some foods that we can obtain it from, like oily fish, like salmon and sardines. Vitamin D2 is in mushrooms and fortified in some milk. Many doctor's offices offer vitamin D testing as part of an annual checkup if you happen to be concerned about your vitamin D levels. So that is a wrap my people scientist army, a big topic on sunscreen and skin health. In summary, UV rays and visible light may unfortunately impact our skin health in a negative way. We can protect ourselves from UV sun rays by limiting our exposure to direct sunlight, seeking shade, wearing clothing, hats, and sunglasses, and applying antioxidants like vitamin C and lotions or serums with polyphenols to our skin. And a second line of defense against the sun damage is sunscreen. Whether you choose a synthetic or mineral-based sunscreen is up to you. Both types are effective at blocking out UV rays and are effective at protecting the skin from UV damage. Synthetic sunscreens are absorbed much more readily by our bodies, which could therefore have the potential for some negative health effects, but this has yet to be shown in humans. So far, sunscreen use appears to be safe. Mineral-based sunscreen might have some negative findings in regard to producing reactive oxygen species and damaging cells in cell culture studies. But the fact that mineral sunscreens stay on the surface of the skin and are not absorbed very well leads experts to believe that mineral-based sunscreens do not pose skin health impact. Applying antioxidants to the skin is a relatively new area of research and appears promising in helping prevent UV and visible light damage to the skin and promote skin health. It is a good idea to have your skin checked over by your doctor every year to make sure your skin is healthy and free of skin cancer. I know personally I'm walking outside around a lot in the sun, and after reading some of these studies, I will make more of an effort now to wear a hat every day now as a means of sun protection. I will also make sure to carry around a thin long-sleeve cardigan in my bag just in case I need to add some extra sun protection. I know for me, I've been caught outside sometimes longer than I intended to be without sunscreen on. And sometimes as a result, wind up getting a slight sunburn. So if I plan ahead and always have some sort of sun protection, then that will be a good habit to help protect my skin against damage. Now remember, typically one method of sun protection is not enough if we are outdoors for an extended period of time, for example, over 30 minutes. We will likely need to combine methods of sun protection like a hat, sunglasses, clothing, antioxidants, finding shade, and using sunscreen. I hope that you all have a wonderful week and make sure to stay safe, happy, and healthy. I look forward to meeting you back here next week, the same time and same place on the People Scientist podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.